Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. I need two more volunteers this morning. Man, those fast hands. I saw that hand first. I'm going to go there. And then I'm just going to the back because the back comes sometimes and go very far. I can't tell what kind of sweater that is. Right there, your left hand's up. Yes, sir. You can come forward. Let's give them a round of applause. Come forward. I need a sweater, I need to read this. Let everybody see that so they can know that's for them this morning. Jesus loves you. And I thought it was a giant sweater. You need, they need Jesus. I'm gonna give you a hug. Y'all have a tough season this year. What's your name? Cole, I'm George. It's nice to meet you, Cole. And what's your name? Delaney, I'm George. Nice to meet you. So what I'm gonna ask you to do is there's some Jenga blocks here. I'm gonna give you 30 seconds again, like we did yesterday. And I want you to stack as many Jenga blocks as you can as high as you can in 30 seconds. You're competing against each other. There is no reward. All you get is like feeling good about yourself if you win. All right? In 30 seconds, we got Cole. Who's with Cole? Where's Cole's team? Right there. And Delaney. Where's Delaney's team? All right. Here we go. Five, four, three, two, one, go. And my wife and I would try to limit how much sugar they have. Anybody's parents do that to you? 
Okay, it's just you. When they were younger, now they drink as much, not as much as they want to. When they were younger, we'd go to the restaurant, and they'd be like, we want soda, but Hawaiian punch especially, because a lot of food. So what we would do is we would go, my wife and I, and we would get this much Hawaiian punch, and then put that much water, right? And we'd take it back to them, they'd be happy because they, they couldn't know the difference. But what we were doing is saying, we're gonna fill up your cup, but it's not gonna be full of Hawaiian punch. We're gonna dilute it. You're not gonna have as strong or as bold of a flavor. And what Paul would say is, I want your whole life to be a full cup that's not diluted, but has a full, bold flavor of all the love and life that God wants for you. So how do we build a foundation that can give us not just one block or 12 or 13, but to give us the fullness to be filled with in the life of Christ. There are some reasons why we might build our blocks on other foundations. And I'm going to explore that with us this morning. I'm going to read from the book of Genesis again, chapter 2, verse 9. It'll be on the screens. I'll read it for you. If you have your Bible, feel free to turn there too. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis, the first book of the Bible, second chapter, verse 9. After God had created mankind, it says in verse 9, the Lord made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God made all the trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and trees that were good for food. God made all the trees go out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. I want to make sure you're with me in this. God made all the trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye. Good, you're with me. And good for food. And it says in the middle, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge. Anybody know which tree Adam and Eve at the beginning were not supposed to eat of? Anybody know who that was first? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were not supposed to eat of it. Why? Anybody else? Man, your, your hands are quick. Yes. Yes. Man, can, can we tone it down to make it a little bit more somber? Say it again. There we go. That was good. You were right the first time. You just had so much exuberance that nobody could feel how like detrimental it would be. They couldn't eat of this tree because they would perish. You have a good vocabulary, by the way. Um, because they would perish or they would die. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. But then there was the tree of life. And I don't know about you, but I always wrestle with this. Why would God allow that tree to be there? Just let everything be perfect. Right? But in many times in our lives, we ask that same question without realizing, but what about all the other good stuff that God had there? What about all, all the good things that they could take taken up? But then it was that point, you ever have that red button in the room and you're like, I know I'm not supposed to press that red button. And there's 90 million other buttons around me, but that one red button. But I wonder how we might be in the same place that Adam and Eve found ourselves with this tree of knowledge of good and evil. All right, I remember, remember, God caused all the trees that go out of the ground that were pleasing to the and good for. So the tree of life must have been good for food because it brought life. Maybe it was pleasing to the eye. The tree of knowledge of good and evil, if you ate of it, you would surely die. 
then it must not be good for food. Huh. But if God caused all the trees of the ground to grow that were pleasing to the and good for the key of knowledge good and evil would kill you, so therefore it can't be good for food, so it must have been pleasing to the Many times in the world that we live in, when it comes to sin, we say to ourselves, God, what is sin? And why is that thing that is pleasing to the eye so bad for me? It's pleasing to the eye. And then there's this temptation. We might say to ourselves, why is sin so tempting? I would encourage you with this. From the book of Genesis, where we're learning in this passage that sin is tempting because it is pleasing to the Whether you're thinking of yourself, a family member, a friend, are there sins? You don't have to say this out loud, but think about this. Are there sins in your life and the ones you love that people are being drawn to because it is pleasing to the eye? God calls in the garden all the trees that go out of the ground that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. The problem with sin is that one is often always pleasing to the eye. But you know what? It is not good for food. The temptation is that sin says to us, hey, I'm a good foundation. If you're going to build your life on something, I'm attractive. I'm beautiful to the eye. Come and build here. And we say, hey, how can that be so bad? Because it is pleasing to me. It can't be bad if it's attractive. It can't be bad if I'm drawn to it. It can't be bad if it's pleasing to the eye. The deceit of sin is that it is often always pleasing to the eye. But the lie of sin is that it's not good for food. So in your life, you're saying, I don't quite get sin. If it looks so good, why is it so bad? It is pleasing to the eye, but it's not good for food. So Eve, as some woman says in the scriptures in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, we're going to put this on the screen too. It says this, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. He took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. The moment that she saw that this tree that would lead to death was not only pleasing to the eye, but she also noticed that it was good for food. She ate it. And here's what's happened to me. Remember I told you last night, we were creating God's likeness so that we could find life in relationship with God. Remember I said that with us last night? God created us to have a relationship with him. He created you to have a relationship with him. And what sin does is it breaks that relationship. So here's what happens immediately. Adam and Eve are ashamed. They realize that they are naked. Can I say that? Y'all are old enough to do this part. Y'all know this part, right? Here's what I want you to catch on. When they were having a relationship with God, when they were fellowshipping with God, their focus, their sole focus was on who God was. And the nakedness was really about this vulnerability. They had nothing to be ashamed of. They had nothing to hide. And they had nothing but focusing on God. They bit of this fruit, and all of a sudden their eyes went from God, and it went to them, and they saw the nakedness, and they saw the shame. Here's what I want you to hear. They were naked the whole time. God knew everything about them the whole time. When we come to weekends like this, we're like, I'm going to bring this part of myself, but not this part. Let me tell you something. God knows all the things already. 
And it wasn't that God had changed, it was that they had. That sin had done something to them that they were more aware of their vulnerability and their brokenness and their nakedness than they were aware of God's love and God's life. This is what happens. It says that in the cool of the day, when God would usually come and meet with them, in the cool of the day, their time when they would get together and hang out, God said, I'm going to go hang out with those created in my image to spend time with them because that is why I created them, that we would have this deep relationship. God is going to meet them at the cool of the day, and guess who's not there? Adam and Eve. They're hiding. They're ashamed. And God asks this question that I find so deeply important that I want to ask for us this morning. He says to them, where are you? Now, y'all know God knows where they are, right? God knows everything. God's sovereign. He's all-knowing. So he's not asking, where are you, like, how do I find you? He's actually asking them, where are you for them? Because he's saying to them, I know that we're supposed to be here meeting together. This is where we always meet. This is where we commune. This is why I created you. And as he's coming here for the purposes that he designed, and they're not there, he asks this question really for them. He's saying to them, where are you, and why aren't you where I created you to be? So my question this morning is, if you are not in that relationship with God, where are you? How did you get there? What brought you to that place? And if you're far away, God's question is, where are you? And it's not one to say, you horrible person, you're so far away. It's one to say, I designed for you to be here. And if you're not here, where are you? Because I want to meet with you in this place. My hope and prayer this morning is that you'll be mindful that the sins of life that tempts us so much when you say, oh, it's attractive to the eye, that you will know that sin is, yes, attractive to the eye. The problem with sin is that it's not good for food. It is not good for life. It leads to death. The repercussions of sin, the consequences of sin, is that it separates us from this relationship with God that we were designed and created for. And if you find yourself far away or distant, if you find yourself ashamed and say, I can't go show God all of these things, there is nothing you're experiencing that is new. And God's question this morning is still this question, where are you? I've created you to be here with me. No more hiding. No more writing. I actually see all of you already. I actually know where you are. The question of where are you is really for you to say, why aren't you here for what I've created you to be? Here's my last thought for us this morning as we leave, again, these foundations, making sure we build our lives on a foundation that doesn't crumble. And that this foundation of sin is often one that says, hey, I'm enticing, build here, build here, build here. And as you may have experienced, if you haven't, you will, it crumbles over and over again. It can only be so high and only so satisfying. It's always temporary. And it crumbles. Because we were designed so much more. There's a moment in the scriptures where Jesus gives a parable about sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd. And he says, if out of a hundred sheep, one of them goes away, he says, I will leave the 99 and go and find the one. I want to encourage you with this. When the shepherd asks, why are you? Why have you gone where I have not 
you, why are you here where I have called to meet you? I want you to hear this. It says that the shepherd goes and finds the one sheep. And when it finds the one sheep, it doesn't get to the sheep and say, get back to where you belong. It doesn't find the other sheep and say, hey, we're supposed to be that way. Follow me and get here. It says, Jesus says, when the shepherd finds the one sheep, Jesus picks, the shepherd picks up the sheep, carries it upon his shoulders, and takes it back to where it needs to be. Why am I saying this to you? Where are you? If sin has broken your relationship with Christ, where are you? And hear this. This is not about you saying, man, i got to figure out how to fix everything. But to know that there's a shepherd who's pursuing you. I'll take that. There's a shepherd who is pursuing you and loves you so much that the shepherd will grab you, will lift you up, and take you back to where you were created to be. We'll share more about that tonight. Where are you? And are you in that relationship with Christ that you were, we were, designed to be in? I'll end with a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you that you love us so much that even in the midst of the things that we are ashamed of, you already see it. You already know exactly where we are. And even though we are wherever we may find ourselves, there's none of that is a shock to you. But instead, God, you see and you say, where are you? And you remind us for the purpose of what you created and designed us. So this morning, I pray, God, that you would search our hearts and our minds, that you allow us, Lord, to be fully vulnerable before you, hiding nothing, knowing that we're already seen. And Lord, would you call us into that place of relationship with you? Lord, some of us in this room, many of us in this room, all of us in this room have been fooled by that deceit that those things are pleasing to the eye and not good for food. And we ask this morning that you convict our hearts of those things that have tempted us of being attractive, but have only led to brokenness and death. Lord, expose all of it so that we can have an appetite for more of you. The theme of this weekend is to come alive. Our prayer is to genuinely experience the full life of Christ. So the one who pursues and seeks, the one who calls us by name, the shepherd, the good shepherd who follows after the one who is lost, would you find us this weekend? May we be found by you, Jesus. And return to the place where we always, we were always created to be. In your name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.